podcast that helps you return to yourself and to your desires so you can live the exact life you want. This is for you if you're ready to make major changes in your career, in your relationships, or within yourself. While I am a therapist, this is not a substitute for going to therapy. Hello, hello. Welcome to the official first episode of Return a Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Siegenthaler, and boy, are we just going to dive right into it. Today's episode is all about work-life balance, and there's so much to cover on this topic. There's so much to think about. There are so many nuances, so I'm going to do my best to give you the full rundown this is a solo episode, just me, myself, and I talking to you about work-life balance. What is it? Is it attainable in 2023? How do I get it? How do I define it for myself? How are we collectively defining it in 2023? Do I even care? I don't know. Personally, I care a lot about work-life balance. It is Part of the reason why I said adieu to the corporate world, goodbye, wasn't for me, and forged my own way and made my own career, and now here I am talking to you lovely humans every week on this podcast. So I'm a big fan, personally, of work-life balance. In full disclosure, today is Friday. I have the blinds open. It's sunny. I went to yoga this morning. I'm sitting here in leggings and I'm feeling pretty good about those choices. Now, is my work-life balance always 100% perfect? Absolutely not. No. I haven't mastered it yet. However, I've gotten so much closer to that ideal balance because I have a lot of control over my choices and my freedom and my schedule. And so if my work-life balance is out of balance, it's only one person to blame and that person is me. Now, before we get into this topic, I do realize that even asking this question about creating work-life balance is coming from a place of privilege. I completely understand that there are people that have to work to pay the bills and to make ends meet and the thought of balance is not even something that is available to them and I really, really hear that. So it is not without gratitude that I share from this space and this place and I also believe that if you are in a place of choice that you let that guide you. If you can make a choice about your work-life balance, then this is the episode for you. Listen up. Listen up, buttercup. We got a lot to cover. Okay, first things first, I have a million questions. You probably do too. What is work-life balance anyways? What does that mean? Is it possible to have work-life balance Some of you might be listening to this and shaking your head and thinking, hell no, it is not possible. Have you met my boss? Do you know the company I work for? Do you know what I'm trying to achieve? And before you go into that, which I completely get, I just want to offer you some different ways of thinking about this topic. 
All right. First things first, I want to say that there's a lot of cultural context we need to consider here as well. I'm an American woman, so I'm speaking from that lens. I also lived abroad in Switzerland, and I am married to a Swiss person, so I'm speaking from that experiential lens too. Just think that's important to name because perspective is everything, and that's my perspective, so here we go. I want to ground us in this thought, and that is the saying in Europe, at least in Switzerland, when my partner said this to me one day, I just was like, oh yeah, of course. He said, I am working to live, not living to work. And that just resonated with me so deeply because 24-year-old me was absolutely living to work. It's all I thought about. It's all I focused on how can I achieve, do more, be more productive, get into the office before my boss, stay later, how can I get another promotion, like damn, I was thinking about it constantly and my body started to revolt, like seriously revolt. I wasn't sleeping, my anxiety, which I don't think I explicitly named it then, but whoo, she was through the roof and I needed to hear a question like this or a statement like this. I didn't realize that I was surrounded by a culture that places a huge emphasis on work. I mean, think about one of the first questions you ask someone if you're American when you meet them. Oh, what do you do for work? Right? Or it might be the first question that you get asked and After living in Europe, I realized, oh wait, other people don't just lead with this question. In Switzerland, people ask you more often how you spend your time. And so it's just the first thing we need to consider, which is what have I been culturally taught about work? I know I've made some pretty vast generalizations, and so that's why I offer this question. What have I been taught culturally about work? What did I see modeled in my family? What did I see modeled at home? What do my friends think about work? What do I experience at my workplace? How does the company I work for feel about work-life balance? What are their values? You know those Russian dolls? I think they're Russian dolls. I don't know exactly what they're called. But it's those dolls that stack. There's a big one and then you open it and there's another one inside and another one inside. Hopefully you know what I'm talking about. I feel like that's this conversation, right? Context is the biggest doll. And then we open it up and it's what about the country I'm in? Okay, open that up. What about the work environment that I work in? Open that up. What did I learn about in my family? Open that up. What are my friends doing? Open that up. And then you come to you. And so before we dive into work-life balance and what it is, we need to consider all of those external conditioning things that have brought us to this place. So if you love a good journal prompt, I'm about to throw one your way. First question is one I've already asked, which is what have I been culturally taught about work? 
And the second question is, what ideas or philosophies am I bringing to work-life balance conversation from a cultural lens, a family lens, a workplace lens or perspective? And remember, those dolls just keep unstacking. All right, let's get into the definition. Cambridge Dictionary defines work-life balance as the amount of time you spend doing your job compared with the amount of time you spend with your family and doing things you enjoy. Okay, Cambridge, that makes sense. I think it's pretty fair. And I want to also add in something else. 2023, let's also consider the amount of time you spend stressing and or thinking about your job. Just think about that for a minute. Even if you aren't sitting at your desk typing away, your brain can carry that stress with you, which is ultimately taking away from that time to connect with your families, your partners, your loved ones, your friends, or doing any of the things that you enjoy. To me, that is still disrupting your balance. It's interrupting your presence with yourself and with other people and it's probably stressing you out too. So let's consider that. Speaking of stress, I feel like we cannot, cannot have a conversation about work-life balance without considering burnout. Burnout is what happens when we have chronic ongoing stress over a period of time and most of the time work can be a source of stress for many people. In the U.S. alone, according to a recent report, burnout is impacting 89% of Americans within the past year. 89%. I mean, what? 44% of employees are experiencing physical fatigue and 32% are suffering from cognitive exhaustion due to their workplace stress. We are struggling with work-life balance right now as it stands in the U.S. in particular, but also globally in 2023. This is a problem. We have slipped into something and it is impacting our health in really big ways. Now, this isn't a stats podcast, so I won't bore you with all of the numbers from the globe, but I will say that Burnout is happening outside of the U.S. as well. If we take a look at other Western cultures in Europe, France, 60.5% of people in the workplace report having mental health issues. Sweden's at 44.2%. Netherlands, even though they have such beautiful work-life balance, they're sitting at 36.7%. So it's not just the U.S. that is having this kind of impact and something has shifted and I want to point to a couple of things that we need to consider when thinking about work-life balance. Okay, the first thing we need to consider is the shift, what I'm calling the shift in availability. What do I mean when I say shift in availability? Well, 20 years ago, People were not walking around with computers, little tiny computers in their pocket, aka smartphones, right? I know we had cell phones 20 years ago, but they couldn't, they could play Snake and 
text people and that was about it and let me tell you those were the days (laughs) to be honest now all of us are walking around with a miniature computer or most of us are walking around with a miniature computer in our pocket it's amazing it can tell us where to go it can download our work emails it can help us listen to all of these cool podcasts we can read books we can get on our work messenger, we can get on a Zoom call. You can do anything and everything from this little device, which is so great until it has completely shifted our availability. So now, you know, back in 1988, there were those giant computers And you might work on that in the office, but you're certainly not taking that thing home. And so when you left your work for the day, you went home. You left. You were done. There was no way your boss could email you. They might be able to call you, but the expectation at that time of receiving a phone call from your boss seemed kind of ridiculous. And with this advancement in technology, we've shifted into this space where being available is equated with being an incredible worker. It's equated with working hard and being dedicated and doing a good job. And when we don't meet these unrealistic expectations of quick response time, I've noticed that there are parts of us that have this fear that then that suddenly means that we are quote unquote bad at our jobs. And so the first thing I want you to notice is do I have really clear lines and boundaries around my work availability? It makes me think about Emily in Paris. Yes, I watched Emily in Paris. Don't at me. Trashy TV, no offense to Emily in Paris, is a guilty pleasure of mine. And it makes me think about in Emily in Paris when she is working on the weekend and they all try to tell her it's illegal in France. I can appreciate countries that have started to make this, you know, give us our own guardrails and really support us and their workers and making sure that there are clear lines and boundaries around work availability. Now you might be thinking, well, Caitlin, my boss is emailing me at midnight and so I feel there are unspoken expectations about my availability. Okay, let's talk about that. You've got to get really, really clear about your lines and your boundaries around your work availability and what you dream of for yourself. And I realized that there is only so much when you're working for someone else, there is only so much control you have over this. But I'm going to get to that in a little bit as well. For now, though, I just invite you to think about what your lines and boundaries are. Have you just checked that email really quickly at night from bed or in the morning? Or have you logged in on a Sunday to just put a few finishing touches on that project so you can, and I put this in quotes, get ahead for the week? That's okay. That's fine. That happens. And I want you to think about this definition that we're working with around work-life balance. 
the amount of time you spend doing your job compared to the amount of time you spend with your family and doing things that you enjoy. Every time you check your work email outside of working hours, every time you sit down to work on a project outside of working hours, that is contributing to your work bucket. And we haven't even talked about the emotional and stress thinking, just thinking about work either. This is the first thing to consider. There's been the shift in availability and we all are guilty of contributing to it, myself included. I'm not sitting here saying I've never checked an email or logged in. I don't keep my work email on my phone because I don't trust myself. If I had it on my phone, I would 100% check it so I don't have it on my phone. But I have absolutely thought about something late at night, early in the morning, and ran to my office to get my computer because all of a sudden, the lines have now become blurred between work and home as well. So this is point two. We've got some blurry lines coming in. What was his name with that song? What was that guy's name? Robin Thicke. I just paused to look it up. You know, you're going to learn. I'm going to throw in a pop culture reference just to keep things spicy. So we now have these new expectations and new places that we're working from. Ten years ago, it wasn't as common to work from home. And then a little thing called the pandemic happened. And all of a sudden, a lot of us were forced to work from home. And... It can be great. Listen, I'm a big fan of working with slippers on and a hoodie. And it has really made these blurry lines between work and home, which makes it even harder to have those really clear lines and makes it even easier for us to be available. So question number two for you is, how do I separate a work life from my home life. How do I separate my work life from my home life? Do I have a commute in the morning? And if you go into an office, this is still applicable. If you go into a place of work, this is still applicable because remember my addition to Cambridge's definition of work-life balance, I think we need to add the amount of time we spend stressing or thinking about our jobs outside of that space. So even if you're leaving your house to go to work, what are you doing to support yourself to make sure you're not thinking about those things? Something that I've found helpful and some of my clients have too is having commute rituals no matter where they go into work, to really help their brains know, okay, no more time thinking about work. So as embarrassing as it might be, I'm going to share mine with you now. The first thing that I do every morning is I will not open up any work stuff until I am seated at my desk and it's after my morning rituals. So I have to have meditated. I have to have done my gratitude list. Usually I will have been outside taking my dog Henry for a walk. And listen, this 
is this every single working day of my life? No. Have there been days where I have woken up and gone immediately to my computer? Absolutely. Yes. Because no one's perfect. So I just want to point that out. But my ritual is that I do things for me before I do things for my work. And that helps my brain get ready for the day. The other thing that I'll do is consciously walk into my office and say, okay, I'm going to work now. When I worked in the corporate world, I had a ritual as well. One of my former colleagues and friends, Emily and I would go, we had a coffee, like a Starbucks coffee grinder machine in our office. And we would usually get to work at the same time. And then we would message each other and then we would go get a cup of coffee before we really started our day and it was this signal to our brains like okay after we grab our coffee now we're working and so it doesn't have to be something big but just something that helps you separate in your brain the space between home and work if you drive or walk or take the bus or ride your bike to the office that's great and once you get to work What do you do besides turning on your computer and jumping right into email or getting right into your tasks for the day? What do you do to help yourself know, your brain know, okay, I'm at work now? Similarly, and more importantly, I think, is what we do once we're done working. Now, how many of you just shut your laptop and walk away and hope for the best? There is no judgment on that. That used to be me when I first started working from home. And I will tell you, and I'm really, really sensitive to energy. Energetically, I could still feel it. I could still feel my work like almost tapping me on the shoulder like, Psst, Caitlin, did you send that email? Did you get back to that person? Like, bah, leave me alone. No. So my recommendation, if you are hoping to incorporate more work-life balance into your world, you need an ending of your workday ritual. You need to help your brain know it's over, it's done, and now it all stays at work. And by the way, please don't violate this by then checking your work email five minutes later. This is going to be a hard habit to break, okay? No ifs, ands, and buts about it, but... Create yourself a little ritual. I do the same thing every single day when I'm done with work. I do a little bit of movement for my body to help my body know you're done. You're done here. It's hard to explain on a podcast, but if you're really interested, send me a DM and I will send you a video of it. It was taught to me by my incredible mentor, Chrissy, who I'm going to have on the podcast. She is the coolest She's a reflector in human design, and I want to be her when I grow up. Then I oftentimes will play a song for one minute and dance in my office, and that helps my brain know, like, yay, you you did it. It's time to go have fun, and usually I will go take my dog for a walk and then go exercise if I hadn't already done that. These are aspirational things, okay, by the way. Some days it looks like just doing my little ritual and shutting my door, but helping myself know that's it, that's all. So making sure you are consciously separating your work life from your home life makes sense, right? If 
work-life balance is the amount of time we spend at work versus the amount of time we spend doing other things we like, then we need to draw these crystal clear lines between the two spaces. Okay, now the thing that you are up against the most, the system. Unless you're an entrepreneur like me or you're a contractor or whatever you are, you if you are 100%, and I mean 100%, responsible for your own time, then this one doesn't apply to you. If you are not 100% responsible for your own time, for setting when you start work, when you end work, when your projects are due, you know, all of those things, then the third thing you need to consider is that you are part of a system. And you need to ask yourself this, is this workplace, this system, this employer, whatever you want to call it, are they aligned with my value of work-life balance? Now, I realize I just made the assumption that you value work-life balance based on the fact that you've made it 26 minutes into this podcast. So if that's not you, my apologies. And I'm assuming it's you. So is my employer aligned with my value of work-life balance? How do you know that? Well, there are clear expectations about availability for you. They say things like, we value work-life balance. They give you time off when you request it. They are not emailing you at all hours of the night and the morning and the weekend and asking you for a response. They're not calling you. This is emergencies aside, okay? Listen, I know emergencies happen. I'm not saying don't ever be available ever. What I am saying is you have to put this in context. You have to understand the system. And if you're working in a system that's aligned with work-life balance, then the only other hurdle is you and the boundaries you're setting with yourself and the pressure you're putting on yourself to show up. If you're working within a system that does not in any way, shape, or form value work-life balance, and that is a value of yours, then you have this terrible mismatch of values, and you are setting yourself up not only to burn out, but to be very, very, very unhappy. So let's recap. How do you get work-life balance? First things first. You have to understand the things that are getting in the way of you having that balance. Usually what I see, the biggest thing that gets in the way is that little tiny computer in our pocket and our expectation to be available 24-7. Thank you, technology, right? I gave you the example of what gets in the way before. The next thing that you want to take a look at in terms of how you get work-life balance is how are you separating those two spaces emotionally, physically, and mentally, especially mentally. I gave you some suggestions about how to do that, but really making that conscious effort to make sure those spaces are separated as much as possible. Let me repeat that, as much as possible, okay? And the third thing to consider is if you are not 100% in control of your schedule and you are striving for work-life balance, then you need to assess whether or not you're in a system 
that holds that value. And maybe they're not doing it perfectly, but they have that value fundamentally. And so then there would be some things that you could do with your employer to help you get to a better place. And if they don't hold that value at all, well, what does that mean then? Right? That might mean that it's time to start finding a place that holds that value more or considering other options for yourself. Here are other ways that you get work-life balance. You start to pour into things outside of work. Hobbies. Start doing painting lessons or play the piano or do things that you love doing when you were a kid and recultivate that if you don't have it already. Secondly, really pouring into your relationships outside of work. So while it's great to grab a happy hour drink with your coworkers, when you're doing that every single day after work, again, I go back to the definition that we're using, which is amount of time you spend at your job compared to the amount of th- time with other things. If you're also with all the people from work all the time, that's not really work-life balance either unless you have like extremely strong individual friendships and relationships with those people in which then of course it is. So you want to cultivate those relationships outside of your work and put a big priority on them. A big priority on them. (laughs) I will keep saying that until it really, really sinks in. Here are other things to consider. I completely understand that there are seasons in life in which you're going to have less balance in one direction. Balance is such a tricky word because it's so finicky. Balance to me is sometimes you eat tacos and sometimes you eat salads, right? That's balance to me. It's not saying I'm going to eat tacos every single day for the rest of my life. And it's also not saying I'm never eating tacos again. We have to pick and choose where we're pushing and where we're pulling, where we're efforting and where we're leaning back into ease. And there are going to be seasons where work takes up more time and space than life and vice versa, I hope for you. There will be times in life where life needs more space than work and You don't always have to keep progressing and achieving and going to the next rung. I mean, a season where work might take up more space is when you just start a job. You want to connect with people. You want to prove that you have the skills that they hired you for. You're learning new things and new systems. That makes sense to me that work would take up slightly more space. However, it should really just be a season and where we get in trouble is when we adopt that as our new normal. We take those 10, 12-hour days and just think, well, this is the job and this is what I have to do. Is that really true? I would encourage you to think about that question. We have Cambridge's definition, you have my add-on. And I'm so curious, how do you define work-life balance for you? This is the most important question I'm going to ask this whole podcast. What does work-life balance look like for you in this season of work and life that you're in? 
And that can be a variety of things. Like work-life balance for you might look like just having a little more space every morning to yourself. Great. That should bring in some more balance. Or it might look like picking back up a hobby and making sure you leave work on those days in a timely manner to get to your hobby or planning connections with friends and family a few times a month after work and really making sure that you hit those connection points and you've done the mental work to make sure you leave your work at home, at the office, not out with you during those connection points. I can't answer this question for you, but it's really important to think about how you define it for yourself right now in this season. What a podcast. I hope this gives you some things to think about and consider on this topic. I have a feeling this is not going to be the last time that I talk about this topic. We have just scratched the surface and the goal here with this lens of return in mind is to make sure that you are returning to yourself that work is not overpowering your life, overtaking it, and you wake up at 89 or 99 on your deathbed and you say something like, I wish I hadn't worked so much. We don't want that for you, and that's why you're listening to this. Have an incredible week, everybody, and see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Return. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends. And if you leave a review, five stars, I would be forever grateful.